With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply you're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to the Mile High Report Radio Podcast. So, obviously we have some news from the Denver Broncos today, but did the move that everyone wants to happen happen? So, Adam and our special guest, Lori, was Vance Joseph fired yet? (laughs) No. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> Vance Joseph has been fired. They're just he's they're just waiting because it's not really the prudent time to get rid of a head coach. Didn't we say, we, uh, uh, we said that last year. We said that last year. No, but last year was you know it's one year. It was a just a debacle of giant. Gigantic proportions with the cute with the quarterback. So I think I think you know whether you know I know we would probably disagree on this, but I understood Elway's rationale and I even agreed with it. Like this was the season to see if Vance Joseph can handle being a head coach. And I think I think Elway knows he can't, but his options unless he's completely lost the locker room, and I don't think it's clear that he has lost the locker room, it doesn't really help the team to get rid of him now. So, because then you have to move a coordinator up, or you, maybe you fire your coordinators if you're the Browns, you just get rid of everybody. And then you, you're you moving people around and they are in positions they're not really ready for, probably. They've got a lot of new responsibilities. It's only going to be more chaos that is unnecessary you're there's especially if you know we're probably not going to we're not going to be doing anything with this season so uh, let him finish it out get rid of him at the right time when the you can just when it's the right time and you know it doesn't you're not going to be probably getting any new coaches between now and the end of the season so 
why would you do it now? I don't, I don't think the timing would make more sense now versus week, you know, Sunday, week 17 at 5 p.m. or whatever. I think it's because you're holding people accountable because there was a precedent and a level set by Pat Bolin that this kind of inept failure isn't acceptable. And the chaos that you speak of sounds a lot like what we're seeing right now. There's coordinators doing things that they're clearly not ready to do now. So maybe if we change it up and they're doing things that they're not ready for, which they're not ready to do now, maybe that will limit the chaos. Yeah. And I think that I think that the the coordinator that you move into place of Vance Joseph is the guy who's been coordinating the only unit that's been consistent from the start of mini camp and training camp, and that's Tom McMahon as the special teams coordinator. So you bring what he's been doing on special teams to the whole team with the hope that that consistency will carry over to the whole team. But that's just I think my that's thought. A, but that's a big ask to, to think that that will happen. I mean, more than likely he moves into that position and now he finds what every person finds that being the head coach and making those decisions as a head coach is different than just figuring out what your unit needs to do to game plan and to prepare. So, I mean, I I say give him the job. I don't think it's smart, but I'm not. I I think part of it is because he's gone. Vance Joseph is gone. To be on this VJ watch for which week it's going to be to me is just silly. Let's just clearly the Broncos are preparing for next year by the moves they made today. So they've right. moved forward. In effect, they know that they're changing the coaches. It's just you know, wait till the, the more prudent time to do that. Yeah. That's a great segue. It is. It is a great segue. It's a great segue into DT, but I want to talk about Vance Joseph too. And so I'm going to jump in as well. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why they should fire him now and let McMahon take his place as head coach, because I want to go back to something you said, Lori, you said that he's just going to find that it's more difficult to be a head coach essentially than to be the coach of the special teams. And if he's ever going to be a head coach in the NFL, he's going to need that experience anyway. And if you think he could end up becoming a good head coach in the NFL, don't you want him to start getting that experience at a time when maybe you make a few mistakes, but it doesn't really matter. The expectations are low enough that you can work through those things now, and then maybe the Broncos see what they have in him, just like everybody wants to see or wanted to see what we had in Chad Kelly, which we found out what we had in him. Let's let's find out what we have in this McMahon fellow and see if what he does with the special teams is any good. And that is moving on to next season. That is looking ahead. That is making a move that can be beneficial to the team, just like moving on from somebody with a high salary and still getting some some draft picks in return is a good move for the team. But I don't know that there's – is there any sense that the Broncos were always grooming McMahon to eventually be a, co- a head coach? I don't know that that matters. Right. Well, I think it does. I mean, I think if – like, that's just like saying anybody, oh, he might be a good head coach. Let's see how he does. And I think that would be unfair circumstances for McMahon to come in with – like, it takes – takes a while to figure out how to do that. And he's going to come in in the midst of, you know, a locker room that will be a little bit on edge because of that, a locker room that's bad because they're losing and you're going to expect him to turn it around and see what he can do. I think that would be an unfair. No, I I think that's the point. The point is that he doesn't have to turn it around. There's no expectations. It's an unfair evaluation of his talent. I don't think it's an evaluation. I don't I don't think that I think you're looking at it from from the wrong angle. I think that it's not an evaluation of his talent and it's it's not something where you expect him to come in and and at, if you were to fire Vance Joseph right now, they're they're, you know, 3 and 5. He could turn things around and they could win the rest of their games this season. They could go 11 and 5. But that's not the expectation if you fire Vance Joseph and you give McMahon the the reins, you're not saying to him, "We expect you to make the playoffs." You're saying to him, Let's see what you can do. I mean, you know, here's the keys. Good luck. That's going to be the more likely scenario. Then you're saying, well, is that because he, the team couldn't have turned it around anyway? Or is that because he couldn't turn them around? And I think you haven't really fairly evaluated his potential to, quote unquote, as you say, see what he can do. 
I mean, I it's we're you're not going to convince me, and I'm not going to convince you, and I don't really care to. <laughs> I just feel like it's it's not it's not helpful, really helpful for anybody. No, and it's, I, it's I, I think they're two valid points. I, I think they're both valid points. I really do. I'm, I'm not saying that you're wrong and I'm right, or I'm I'm right and or I'm wrong and you're right. I think the point is that those are. <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong. How about right. that? Whatever. I think the point is there's two different trains of thought here, right? And I, I think that's the idea is what direction do the Broncos want to go? Do they want to go ahead and just just keep, you know, doing the same thing over and over again every week and, and just, you know, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Or do they want to go ahead and be proactive? And I think that's what the DT move was, right? You want to If you want to try and bring back that awesome segue that you did have, which I've ruined, and I am very sorry for that. <laughs> that is what the DT move is. The DT move is moving forward, right? It's we know that we're not we don't want that salary on the books and as much as Demarius Thomas has done for the Denver Broncos, it's time to move on so what can we get for him? What can we get out of this particular situation? And trading him to Houston and getting a fourth round pick and then swapping sevenths that that's more than hey, we're we're going to cut him in the offseason anyway. That's so, why it's so confusing about the train of thought for both of them because you're delaying the inevitable with Vance Joseph because you because even Lori admits that they are going to get rid of him so firing him now just rips the band-aid off instead of letting it be an but, old band-aid but, and it sticks on the skin and it's falling off and it's not really doing anything and the other but disgusting. then they're proactive <laughs> yeah it's a disgusting band-aid it's, it's not really doing anything you should just rip it off and throw it away but it's still it's just hanging there just doing nothing and then they're proactive with dt you know the salary you know the business side of it you know that you're gonna you get a fourth round pick it's better than nothing because he's gonna be released or whatever it was anyway at the end of the season. So they're proactive in that, but they're not with Vance Joseph. And that's what is the segue to Lori's uh, why she's on, why I wanted her to come on because (laughs) it has nothing to do with business. And I'll just let her take the floor. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite lines in any movie because of my sentimental side is from you've got mail when Tom Hanks character tells the Meg Ryan character, you know, it it wasn't personal. It's just business. And she says to him, but it was personal to me. And I've always loved that response because it's true. It business is still personal. It's just maybe one person looks at it from just the business point of view but that doesn't mean that it's only a business decision to everyone. And I feel like, you know, I understand. I when this a week ago when we were, you know, hearing rumblings of DT being traded, I tweeted, you know, that I I hated the idea, and I said, "Don't at me with your business reasons because I know them." And what did I get? I got immediately like four people who added me with their why it made sense, and like, "Don't at me with this shit." I get it. I know the answers, but that doesn't mean, especially as a fan, that I have to accept it or I have to like it. And I feel like there should be a point too, aside from just my fandom and my my personal, you know, love of DT and not wanting to see him not be a Bronco. Elway has made kind of a, you know, kind of made his bed with a lot of these Broncos on the fact that he wants loyal players. He wants players who want to be Broncos. And then (laughs) you can't say that, but then turn around and just deal players like their business. And so when I understand, I totally understand. I understand that DT is getting older. I understand that he has a big contract. I understand that because of that, likely we would cut him in the offseason. I understand we have Cortland Sutton and he's a, a great talent that is built a, to sort of take the place of DT because he has many of the same traits as that number one wide receiver. But I also understand that DT has been a consummate pro. He's been the consummate Bronco. He has he has never complained. He's never even gone in his press conferences and hinted at complaining. He's dealt with some pretty pathetic quarterbacks who have influenced a lot of his drops and his numbers. 
And he has just always been positive. And so I think with a player like that, there it, there should be, doesn't mean Elway would do it, but there should be a little bit of, um, you know, a little allowance that we owe DT the chance to maybe restructure his contract. You know, let him choose. Let him choose if he wants to stay a Bronco at a reduced price because he knows that he's 30 and he's, he's you know, lost a little bit and he's got young talent behind him. But he's been good to us and he's been a Bronco that we've wanted. He's been an all-pro. He has helped us win championships. We should, we should extend this opportunity to him to stay a Bronco. And I, I don't really blame Elway. I just, it angers me that this is, we have this double speak a lot, you know, where we want loyal players, but we're fine dealing them because of the bottom line. And when you have certain players, that's no big deal. You know, why can't we have gotten rid of Shane Ray? I'm happy to send him out the door because fine, he's good enough. And if he makes a great play, I'm happy for him. But he, I have no real sense that he cares the way I feel like DT has cared about Denver and the Broncos and the fans. And I just wanted the Broncos to, to recognize that more than, hey, midseason, we're going to send you to the Texans. And oh, by the way, we get to play you this weekend, so we're going to have a little tribute. Ha ha, yay, we love you. Like, fuck that. I That is not... Sorry, can, you, can I say that on your show? You can now. You just did. <laughs> Bleep. Um, I, I just don't think that was the way to treat this. And don't even just don't even argue with me on the reasons. I do. I know them. I understand the reasons. I just don't like them. And I, I also, I don't really personally love the whole trade deadline in the middle of a season. I would, I would rather not have that. Um, just because of this kind of thing, you know, because for DT, if you're if you're a player on a terrible team and you're going to a great team, yeah, it's a great situation. But it it still it still upsets your rhythm in the middle of the season. You're on a brand new team. You have to get you know comfortable with a new system, probably, and you know new quarterback, new teammates, new city. Like that's a that's a lot to do to a player, and I think it's unfair to a player, um, and not unfair to teams. They don't you know. It's fine for them. I don't think they think about that. And I just, there's so much of it that I don't like. And I wouldn't mind it as much if it weren't a player like Demarius Thomas. And you should tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, actually, I do have one more rant. <laughs> Mike Kliss. And you can I knew this. we were going to get a Mike Kliss rant. You wow. can cut this if you, if you don't want to have it on there, but I don't mind having it out there. His tweet about you know, that it confirming the D2 is going to be traded. And oh, by the way, he doesn't have to leave town because he's playing the Texans and they're coming to town or he's going to the Texans and they're coming to town. Ha ha. I just felt like that was, that just shows why Cliss should not be allowed to do social media. The guy should not be able to be online because that was, it was very insensitive, especially coming from the guy who's supposed to be kind of the insider, a little bit of the voice of the Broncos. So instead of a nice tribute to what DT has brought to the team, he makes it sound like, oh, this is really convenient. Lucky you, DT. But pathetic, totally unprofessional, and he just shouldn't even be on Twitter. I want to end this on a positive note. <laughs> there's, a, there's a story. You, you sent out a tweet that I thought – is is why you're so great and it's a story that involves demarius thomas but it also involves your kids and i think it is a it's a touching anecdote on on why dt is so special to this fan base and to this organization because he's what i refer to as a pat and bronco and he you mentioned it that he he never whines he never bitches he never complains he just shows up and does his job and he did it better than just about anybody in Broncos history. He is the second best receiver in the history of this organization. And this is an organization that has seen some very, very good receivers. Adam's old man is in Chicago right now, and he was talking about Lionel Taylor. Lionel Taylor is one of the most underappreciated players in the history of the NFL, not just the Broncos. 
Marius Thomas, I think, is the most undervalued and underappreciated member of the Broncos ever. And your anecdote just completely touched on that because I will always remember as someone who was able to cover Demarius Thomas, his smile. It's, it's, it's infectious. It rubs off on you and that rubs off on the locker room. And that's something that you can't replace. Right. Right. Just to share that anecdote, my, the first jerseys that my boys got as gifts were Demarius Thomas jerseys and they got them for Christmas and they were super excited and they wouldn't take them off. <laughs> so just about every, every photo we have from Christmas that year is them in their jerseys. <laughs> so, awesome. you know, they got those and then later it was Peyton Manning, which might seem ironic, but Demarius Thomas was first. So, you know, those, because like you said, he, he was, he's just a, such a likable player, such a likable character who doesn't want to, you know, to be Demarius Thomas. Who doesn't want to, um, you know, especially for kids when you play football, someone is usually a quarterback, but honestly for kids, usually the first thing you want to be is the wide receiver. You want to catch the ball. And so it was always who wants to be Demarius Thomas. So it'll be, it's sad to see him go. I do hope he has a great game on Sunday and it'll be, I think for Broncos fans, it'll be great to to see him rather than just have him leave town and we, you know, we don't we don't see him. But it'll definitely be kind of bitter a bittersweet celebration just to to know that that's the last time he's going to be in Denver, really. Until he's inducted in the Ring of Fame. Right, right, and thank goodness for that. <laughs> we do love Demaris Thomas. We do so. It's good. It's good stuff. He was. He's. You know what I find interesting about him is that he, if you if you didn't have somebody tell you he played through injuries, you never would know about it. And right, I got a lot of respect for that. And yeah, I I, I love the idea of little kids running around in a player's jersey, and you really like you you sort of connect with that. And so it's such a a great story to tell because there's probably a ton of little kids out there who experience the same thing these were the first jerseys you know i I bet there are are people who back in you know 2010 2011 2012 were buying those jerseys they're they're still going to wear them they're still going to wear them because he is the consummate denver bronco he's going to be wearing the wrong uniform but he's still a denver bronco (laughs) that's true that's true all right well i said my piece so (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate the chance to rant that's Anytime. why we wanted you on because you, you bring a different perspective and i and i think fans will appreciate that all so right thank you you're welcome thanks doc <laughs> you guys take care you too see ya <laughs> all right the passion i love the passion she's She's the one who brings the passion for this team, this for this franchise that that is, uh, it's really unmatched. So it's always great to have Doc on, and uh, I, I guess she now, brings she brings the fanatic. She does for a fan. She does and bring the fanatic. For those who don't know, who don't read her stuff, who don't read her her keys to the game or her staff preview or her ultimate fan guide. She will never predict predict a Broncos loss. It will not happen. She will. I just don't think she's capable of it. No, and those those are the types of fans you got to have a lot of respect for. You know the the fans that that uh, show up with, you know, like I always think about like uh, Cleveland Brown fans that that show up through thick and thin. Imagine being a fan of that franchise and just knowing no matter what you do every Sunday they're going to lose, but you still show up and say we're going to win today. You're not, but you know I understand it and and. Lori is like that, only she just happens to be a Bronco fan, and hopefully the Broncos don't become mired in whatever horribleness it, it, that has befallen the Cleveland Browns, um, because that would be terrible. And that brings up an interesting point, because you get the sense that that's it. Like, yeah. that, that, that's, that's, that's it. That's the move they thought they the needed one. to make. You, but you one. you keep Shane Ray, you keep Brandon Marshall, you I really 
You know, I tweeted out, and I I really thought that it was sort of the start of the things that, of of the you know of the trades, right? I really thought it was the beginning of the Broncos starting to make some serious moves. And I don't think you were alone in that. I think that was I, the case I think with there everybody. was a lot of people that were. I, I think I think Adam Schefter saw my tweet and was like, "Well, this guy's got a lot of really good insight." Um, or maybe it was more of a, "Yeah, no duck, Captain Obvious," and then it didn't happen. You know, it was one of those. Here we are all waiting for this. The 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 next Ian Rappaport, you know, comes out with so and so being tra- and and you're right. Shane Ray didn't get moved. Didn't we hear that that the Packers were interested? We, Brandon Marshall didn't get moved. Isn't it time to move on from Brandon Marshall? I, I mean, he's still playing. He, I, I, has he done anything? I don't think so. Maybe that's why he didn't get moved. But and maybe that was the problem with Shane Ray. Nobody wants to you know to trade for a player that's probably not going to play for another week or so. I, I don't really know, but it just, I did felt- find it. I did. Speaking of Shane Ray, I found it interesting that there were multiple reports out there that the Rams were initially linked to Shane Ray. And then it said that Wade Phillips wanted no part of Shane Ray. I think that speaks volume. <laughs> that, tells, that tells you, that perhaps tells you why the Broncos weren't able to move him. Because if I'm a, if I'm a team and I hear that Wade Phillips doesn't want this player, I don't want him either. Especially when he coached him. Yeah. Oh, oh, you had this guy in your team, on your team, and you don't want him now? Hmm. Neither do I. Thank you. Um, and that actually is interesting because there's a certain arrogance in coaching where, and we see this all the time, usually with quarterbacks, but you see it all the time with coaches that say, I can fix him. You know, I'm a, uh, I coached high school baseball and I'm, a, I'm an old baseball guy and I, I love the sport. And one of the things I will, I will say this about professional hitters, pro ball players who are in a slump, I will watch their swing and I will tell you that I can fix their swing. There is a certain arrogance to that particular aspect of, of coaching where you look at a guy and you go, I can fix that. I can fix his problems. Nobody looked at Shane Ray and went, I can fix his problems. And so now the Broncos are saddled with him. And maybe they didn't get what they wanted for him, which is fine, but maybe they wanted too much because I I know that Ian would have taken a sack of potatoes. Not even fresh. Like an old sack with, with, with all the eyes growing on the potatoes. And you're like, you do that thing where you look at it and you go, is this potato still edible? I'll just shave off these eyes and it'll be okay. Yeah, those those are nasty potatoes. Don't eat those potatoes, guys. They're, they're just kind of icky. Are we talking about potatoes? We're talking about potatoes. Oh. And we're also talking about something, and we haven't even gotten to the point that the Broncos play a game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have to talk about that. I, just, I, I, I do feel like we... we we have we were let down today a little bit by nothing happening. We lost a consummate Bronco, which I understand Lori's frustration, but I also understand the move. But that was it. If it had been Bronco after Bronco being traded, if they had decided to dump a whole whole bunch of guys and and really make it apparent that this team was going to start looking towards the future, then I would have been a little bit more okay with the Demarius Thomas trade. I think the real frustration comes in with the fact that they trade Demarius Thomas, it's probably the right move, but it's really only the right move in a chain of moves that never actually happened. And so now as we head into the game against the Texans, it's like the it, now it feels incomplete. There's something incomplete about the what happened over the last week, and I, don't, I just don't even know how to feel about the franchise right now. I have no idea what the direction is. I have no idea what the – and I don't think they do either. I think they have no idea what they're doing, and I think that's why Vance Joseph is still the coach. That's the whole point. That That is the feeling because it's just a repetition of the same old, same old. It's the same old, same old with the result on the field, with the performance on the field. It's the same old, same old with this continued delusionment that we're so close. We're just a couple pieces away from being a contender and I get that you have the PR speak, and I get that you have to try to convince yourselves and the fan base that it's still possible. But there is a disillusionment that is just rank in this organization that they have convinced themselves that they are so close. And it's it's just 
it's obvious to anybody and everybody who is not in that organization or who has taken off the orange and blue goggles. This team is not close to being a Super Bowl contender. It is not. And you and I have had this debate about there's this there's this continued notion amongst Broncos fans and in the media that there's talent on this team. And then I've listed off the position groups, secondary, middle linebacker, defensive line, offensive line, tight end, quarterback. I mean, what's left? (laughs) Receiver, running back, outside linebacker, pass rush. That's three position groups that have depth, that are very good. The rest of them, meh. They're not, they're not good. There might be a couple of pieces in there, but as a whole, the position groups are not good. This team is not close to contending. So it's just the same old, same old. We're a couple of pieces away. We're gonna do, we're gonna shift a couple of a deck chairs on the Titanic, but it's still the freaking Titanic. And it's been the Titanic for three years. You either have to admit that it's a rebuild or this is going to continue. And this feeling that you and I both have and most of the people listening and most of the fans I saw on social media, like, that's it? There's going to be more moves. There's going to be more moves. Never happen. And that's because, as we've been saying, a day before Halloween, the Broncos are led by a headless horseman. I mean, the the whole notion that the move of Demarius Thomas somehow is the move that puts them over the top. I mean, I get that Cortland Sutton will play more, that he'll give he'll get more chances. So will Tim but, Patrick. I think that I think Tim Patrick gets left out of that, but he'll play more too. So and, and Deshaun Hamilton Deshaun, in the future. When he gets when he gets healthy, absolutely. But Demarius Thomas wasn't getting that many targets to begin with. <laughs> So I, I I I don't know. It's just... I, I get the salary dump. I really do. I totally understand the salary dump. You're not getting your money's worth for Demarius Thomas. Send him to Houston, where they probably will get their money's worth for Demarius Thomas. You probably will and then see some. Demarius because they Thomas. have a quarterback. That's right. They have somebody who knows how to throw the football to his receivers. They probably will get a, a few. They, they might get a few good good seasons out of Demarius Thomas. And, and I wish him nothing but the best on his way. But it is a dysfunction in the franchise that must be addressed. And and you're right. It's the the headless horseman, this idea that there's no leadership at the top, this you know, there's there's not there's no direction and no identity. And we've been saying that for weeks. We've been saying it for the last season and a half yeah. minimum, probably a little more than that. There's no true identity for this franchise and there's no true direction and the only place that can come from is the ownership. At, at a certain point, ownership has to be responsible for pointing the franchise in a specific direction. And under Pat Bolin, that was very obvious. The direction was championships, and, th- and that was it. And so everything that they did, the identity of the franchise was to win games in the in, in the best way possible, right? The Whatever's working. And he gave guys the sort of freedom to do things. Mike Shanahan in the in the 90s was able to put together a team that went on to win back-to-back Super Bowls, could have won more if there hadn't been injuries and retirements and such. But now we're in a we're in a spot where there isn't somebody to point the franchise in a in any one direction. And so just like the Demarius Thomas trade happens and then nothing else happens, so we're kind of all over the place and Vance Joseph is still the head coach, even though he really shouldn't be the head coach, and so we're kind of all over the place. That's that's what it feels like. We, I feel like this this franchise feels like a bunch of moths inside of a jar trying to get out. There's no place to go because the the lid is closed, but they're going to keep bouncing off the glass walls trying to figure something out, and and it's not working because there's no direction because there's nobody telling them what to do. I'm going to ask you a question. And it was asked by Mark Knudsen, who I do a, a weekly segment with. He's on with Michael Clark on Saturday mornings on ESPN 1600 here in Denver. 
Do you remember Pat Bolin and the Broncos ever doing a salary dump? Because that's what you referred to with Demarius Thomas. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, just no. And, and part of that might be because I didn't know what it was or I wasn't paying attention or the, the league was different. And I, and I do think the economics of the league and, and the ideas behind money and, and, and how they do salaries is probably a little bit different than it was when, when Pat Bolin was really – uh, in charge, but no, I, I don't remember them ever coming to a player and saying we're going to trade you because we can't afford you. Um, it 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 seems it seems like a foreign idea. It really does. I, I get it; it makes sense business wise, but I've I don't remember it happening before. I, I we see it now, but I don't remember it before. Like I can't think of any one spe- specific incident or significant player that I thought, oh yeah, they. He was a great Bronco, but they got to get rid of him because he's he's you know making too much money. I don't remember that. It just it seems like a Cleveland Browns move. I mean, every franchise does it, right? Every every franchise cuts players that are making too much money, trades players away that are making too much money. It's I don't think it's Patriots. Well, but I don't think. I don't think it's rare in the league. I think no, it's, it's not rare. I think it's something that's new to the Broncos. I think that's the point you're making. Is this is something that yeah, the Broncos foreign. didn't use to do, right? And that's what makes it sort of feel like a foreign idea. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. It is. And huh. again, we still haven't talked about the game yet. Is there a game? Are they going to actually play, or are they just going to honor Demarius Thomas and then and then leave? Because I almost feel like that's what they should do. Except for I would like Demarius Thomas to play well because I do have him in fantasy and I'm going to start him because I think he's going to play well. He's on my fantasy team too. And he's going to go off because he's going to be covered by Bradley Roby covered in quote marks. Yes. Some quotations there, little, little air quotes, if you will. That's Um, someone else who probably should have been moved. Yeah. I was, again, it's not to continue to beat the dead horse that we've been beating. It's just now we're beating in a different spot. Um, well, that sounded weird. Everything we've been saying has been beating a dead horse. Yeah, it, but it, again, there's another player that they really could have moved on from Bradley Roby, and I don't think I would have been disappointed. I don't. He hasn't shown out to be the Akib Talib replacement that everybody wanted him to be. Not that that's a fair assessment. I mean, Akib Talib is was a great cornerback for the Denver Broncos great as in one of the best cornerbacks in Broncos history great I mean not he's not ranking ahead of Champ Bailey and he's not ranking ahead of Lewis Wright and he's not ranking ahead of even Chris Harris because Chris Harris is still there but I think that's where the list stops and then you get to a keep to leave maybe Steve it's an Foley. interesting debate maybe Steve but that's Foley. an that's an off-season debate that is I'm sorry well or wait, game week do they have a game this week uh, allegedly. All right. Well, let's pretend to talk about that, I guess. That's not as smooth a segue as what we were doing with Lori. We had some good segues with Lori that we ignored. And now now we're just going to... All right, we have to talk about the game. The Broncos play the Houston Texans this week. There, I said it. The Texans are on a five-game winning streak. Yes, they are. And they have a and it looks quarterback. Like, and their defense with a healthy J.J. Watt. Ooh, yeah, J.J. Watt. And Jadavian and Clowney. Clowney. Mm-hmm. Jinx. Are we doing that? Are we jinxing now? I don't know. I mean, we can if you want to. But that leads into my key of the game. Oh, key of the game. Speaking of J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney, the Broncos have to get Garrett Bowles help. Wait a minute. The Broncos' second-year tackle will attempt to not hold J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney on Sunday. Eek. <laughs> Denver has to muster all the help it can get for Bulls, or it will be a long afternoon for Case Keenum. He might become a permanent fixture in the whatever the name of the Broncos stadium at Mile High is, turf. Like little, tiny little Case Keenums will start to grow out of the ground, like little sprouts. I mean, we, just... We don't need any more Case Keenums. They should dig that seed up and throw it out because it's not working. 
the the night before Halloween, the thought of J.J. Watt opposite of Garrett Holds should absolutely terrify Case Keenum, Bill Musgrave, Vance Joseph, Garrett Bulls. Anyone who's within the fans two feet or two miles of the stadium. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I don't think it's going to work out uh, very well. (laughs) This is, this, this, this is clearly going in a very specific direction here. And we're talking about the Broncos playing a game at home. Uh, And I think both of us are, are, probably tipping our hand as to what we think is going to happen. Um, my key to the game is all about turnovers. And I'm not talking about the offensive turnovers. Obviously Case Keenum is he's going to throw an interception and he's going to he's going to probably put the ball on the ground a few times because of exactly what you just said. But if the defense can create some turnovers and Deshaun Watson is known to throw some picks. So as good as Deshaun Watson has been, he has also been a little loose with the football. If the Broncos can turn those turnovers that I think they're probably going to get into points, they could stay in this game. It could be a close game. And if it's close at the end, they they have a chance to win. I just I'm not sure that that's what I'm predicting, but I am saying that if they can produce some points off of turnovers, knowing that Deshaun Watson gives the ball away sometimes as a, as an owner of Deshaun Watson in fantasy, he throws interceptions that drive me crazy. This, that is the way that the Broncos can stay in the game and keep it close into the fourth quarter and perhaps pull out some sort of comeback victory. Maybe. Well, the other thing that benefits the Broncos is the, the Texans' offensive line is not very good. So Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and the rest of the Orange Rush, and kudos to Lori for wearing her Orange Rush shirt. Very cool. It it is as she said. It's such a comfortable shirt. It's a badass shirt. So go get it. But the Orange Rush will will be able to make a difference in this game if Von Miller and Bradley Chubb show up. Yeah, and they and they have to show up. Von Miller especially. Um, Von Miller showed up in Arizona, but disappeared in Kansas City. Like he maybe missed the flight or something. I'm not sure. So is he going to show up at home? And and here's the other thing I think that's important with that. Von Miller has a chance to play well enough to remind everybody that he's not just um, a great defensive player. He's a great defensive player on the same level as J.J. Watt. These are, these are two of the best defensive players of this particular generation. And he has the opportunity to show that he, he belongs in that conversation. And I think people put him in the conversation, but I also think he ends up being a little bit lower when you start to rank Von Miller because he does things like disappear for a couple of games. So coming out in this game and playing hard and playing well and actually having an impact on the game will go a long way towards Von Miller's legacy being uh, better than it is right now. And I'm talking about a guy who's a Super Bowl MVP, who is an All-Pro, who is on his way to to the Hall of Fame by all all measures. But this is an opportunity for him to sort of have one of those, dare I say, Elway Montana type games with J.J. Watt. Could you imagine if it turned into a sack fest between two of the greatest defensive players in the league today, but only if Von Miller can figure out a way to show up. And there's no reason for him not to, because the offensive line for the Texans is garbage. Yeah. I've heard they're terrible. So I think the only offensive line that can give them a run for their money is the Broncos. Broncos are just, especially in pass protection. So there it is, right? There's, there's your, there's your real, there's your real battle. This isn't going to be a quarterback battle. This is going to be a this is going to be a pass rush battle, and we all know what Case Keenum's going to do with the ball. He's going to fumble it. He's going to throw it away. He's going to throw interceptions. Can they get Deshaun Watson to do the same thing? And and he will. Deshaun Watson will throw an interception because that's he does. He throws interceptions. 
He just also throws a lot of touchdown passes, a lot of touchdown passes. And I have a feeling he's going to throw a couple of them to Demarius Thomas because oh, he's going to be covered by Bradley Roby. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. So those are those are pretty obvious keys to the game, though. Um, who are we watching? Who are our players to watch? I, I Offensively, I have to go with the guy I mentioned in my key to the game, Garrett Bowles. I, I mean, he's going to be going up against basically <laughs> an unblockable force. I mean, even the best tackles, the best oh, offensive yeah. linemen struggle with J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. Now you're going to throw Garrett Bowles into that mix? Yeah, not fun. Or Billy Turner? Oh. Or Max Garcia? If you don't say their names, does it make does it make it better? Or if you say their names, does it make it better? How does that work? Because when you say their names, it just makes me queasy. It makes you go eek. It does. <laughs> or oof. So, and then the other player, it, and it's not a player, it's Bill Musgrave. Is he is he going to get out of his own way? Is he going to show that he is a competent offensive coordinator and do what this team does well? And that's run the football and do what his quarterback does well, and that's use play action and get him out of the pocket. None of this flea flicker end around crap that we've seen the last two weeks. It was great against the Cardinals, but now everyone knows you're going to do it. If you do an in around with Emmanuel Sanders – they know what's coming because you used it against the Cardinals. I don't know if that speaks to the Cardinals or more to Bill Musgrave as to why he whipped that out there and expected it to perform against the Cardinals. <laughs> whipped it out there? Wow. Changed it up. You plopped that out there and expected it to perform. I'm not sure that it did, though. You used it was the... a Bill Musgrave. Yeah. <laughs> You you mixed you mixed your metaphors. I like that. I'm I'm fine with that. That's, I'm giving you the win on that one this week. Um, that's those are good. Uh, I think the player to watch on offense for the Broncos, aside from Demarius Thomas, because he's not going to be there for the Broncos, is Cortland Sutton. His for all intents and purposes, his replacement. Right. You're you're able to trade away Demarius Thomas because you have Cortland Sutton. So the player to watch is Cortland Sutton. Is he going to step in and have an impact on the game in a way that you anticipate he will? Because look, we traded away Demarius Thomas. So now you have to have an impact on the game. And I, I hope that he does. I think the only way he can is if Bill Musgrave does the right thing and runs the football and allows Case Keenum to get into his play action. And then he can roll out, get outside the pocket and find Cortland Sutton for uh, you know, 10, 15 yards here and there, and maybe uh, a few jump balls. Like you always say, three three jump balls a game, three 50-50 balls a game to Cortland Sutton because he goes up and he gets them, right? So is he going to do that? Can Case Keenum make those throws? So Cortland Sutton, to me, is the guy to watch on offense. Defense? Sua Cravens. Ooh, that's a good one. I didn't even think of that. Gonna, I forgot. He'll be he'll be able to be off of IR and he'll be able to play. He'll be able to play against the Texans. Now, obviously, I don't know how much he'll play since he hasn't played the first eight weeks of the season, but he can be a guy who can eventually become a difference maker for this defense. And we saw we saw snippets of it in preseason before he got injured and got put on IR. It was in that last preseason game against the Cardinals, ironically. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy who can who can bring an element that this defense just doesn't have, and that's the ability to cover running backs and tight ends. Now, that's not an issue with the Texans because they don't really have a tight end, and they don't really use their, their running backs as receivers. They're more of like a smash-mouth football and then beat you deep. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, A, how he performs in his first game as a member of the Broncos and off after eight weeks on IR. But are we going to see glimpses of what we saw in that preseason game against the Cardinals? Is he going to be able to flash anything? Is he going to be able to give Broncos fans hope that there's the missing piece in the secondary? 
That's a good one. I really like that one. Um, I'm I'm going to go with a more obvious one, one that uh, you've been talking about this this whole podcast, and that is Bradley Roby, because of who he's going to be covering, and because of really because of his status with the team right now, because of of sort of the way that he is. I I don't want to say he's playing himself off of the team, but. I, I just look at Bradley Roby and what he's what he's done. I, I don't see how the Denver Broncos can really commit to him that much further into the future. And so can he turn things around against the Texans? Can he turn things around against a guy who presumably he went up against in practice day in and day out for the last however many years he's been with the team? Four? I mean Sounds right. Sounds right to me, right? So I mean, can he be effective? When he's playing a guy, when he's playing against a guy who he should know, like a you know, like a book that he's read a thousand times, and I think that will say a lot about whether or not he really belongs in the no-fly zone, which is the frequent flyer zone, because he belongs in the frequent flyer zone, but he he certainly doesn't belong in the Denver Broncos secondary right now. No, he's been handing out miles at a pace that makes airlines. Cringe like when we think about J.J. Watt opposite Garrett Poles. Ooh, I just I, I just get felt a chill. It's like somebody walked over my grave or something like that. So what are you, what's your score prediction for the game? I actually think this is going to be a, a, a slightly higher scoring game. I, I think that turnovers have a tendency to lead lead to points, and I I'm seeing a lot of turnovers in my crystal ball that's uh, got a crack in it. Um, I, I'm going to go with something not not super high, but I'm I'm thinking around 33 to 27. Uh, unfortunately, it's the Texans who are going to be the 33, and it's the it's the Broncos who will have 27. I'm going to go with 24 17. Oh, all right. Which team's going to win? You forgot to mention it. Houston. A lot of negativity on the podcast these last few weeks. Even against the Cardinals, we were way down. So, uh, is there is is that something that's going to turn around in the near future? No, probably not. Okay, so as long as, <laughs> as long as Vance Joseph is the head coach, and as long as uh, some of these weird decisions are being made by John Elway in the front office, and until we have an owner uh, who is able to take over and give the franchise direction, it, it, it may be we may be in for some dark times here. It's going to be a dark couple of years, and to the benefit of us all, at least there's a rookie class that may shine a light through this dark tunnel. I, oh, I yes. mean, we're going to find a little light in the darkness, as they say. I mean, Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, Royce, Royce Freeman. Freeman, Josie Jewell. Sure. They're all there. Deshaun Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Hamilton gets forgotten about, and he's going to be injured. And I, I don't know if he's going to sit out again. Let, let's see how he progresses throughout the week when they get back to back to practice on Wednesday. But I, I think his role will start to grow now that Demarius Thomas is with the Texans. It, but aside from that, there isn't much to to get excited about because it, you mentioned it. Uh, with Case Keenum, he has he suffers from simianitis at this point with this offensive line where he he's starting to see ghosts. He's seeing things there that aren't there, feeling a pass rush that's not there. He gets happy feet. Yeah, the pass Can't rush is to the middle of the field. <laughs> the pass rush is going to be there this week. He's not going to be feeling ghosts. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> So JJ Watt will be no yeah, ghost. No, he'll 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 be feeling the actual players this week, I think. But it's uh, it's frustrating that they could be they could be doing so much more. And, and I know that we we went went through the talent talent stuff, and I think that maybe during the bye week we'll have to revisit that and see um, kind of where the talent situation is. Maybe maybe go a little bit more in depth with that. But it, I I think that the lack of talent is buoyed, like you've said, with that rookie class and with some of the younger players that they have uh, that, that that give you some hope. 
that give you some hope. Um, are there any games that uh, that you're really looking forward to watching this week that that we need to make mention of? AFC there West are, games, anything like that? The Sunday night game, anytime that you can get Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady on the same field, that will be that will be fun to watch because it doesn't happen very often. And I I I will I will enjoy watching that game. And yeah. the other one that I'm looking forward to, and I think will be the NFC Championship game, is the Rams and the Saints. I, I think the Saints, the Saints were my prediction to go to the Super Bowl, and it'll be an interesting matchup to see Sean Payton and Drew Brees against that Wade Phillips defense. But not just the Wade Phillips defense. What is the Saints defense going to be able to do against that Rams offense led by? who I think will be the MVP, Todd Gurley. And yeah. here's an interesting question that, that we mentioned Todd Gurley. Is Philip Lindsay the best running back in the NFL not named Todd Gurley? Hmm. Well, I think he could be if someone if you know if someone would continue to get him the football, but I think there's a, a little bit of a problem there with him not not being given the football enough. So it's hard to say because what would he do with the ball if he got it more? Uh, I'd like to think he would do more, but uh, that's not really something you can you can speak to. I mean, you also have to take into account there's Melvin Gordon in, in uh, Los Angeles with the Chargers that uh, is also very, very good. Uh, Kareem Hunt in Kansas City, and that's two teams in the AFC West that I just named, so that should be something that makes you a little nervous as a Broncos fan for sure. Um those two, those two running backs right there are big time running backs. I don't know if you could, if you could take Philip Lindsay over those three running backs, um, but he's he's in the mix for sure. He's in the mix. I would agree with that. Well, don't forget also the yardage that he gets taken away from holding penalties because yeah. the, the the Denver Broncos lead the NFL in yardage lost because of penalties. Sure, but would he um, get as many yards if there wasn't all that holding? I, I think there's also that. I mean, I'm, I would assume some of those yards would be uh, would be gone from tacklers being able to tackle him if they weren't being held. So there's a, a little bit of, a little bit of balancing out there, I'm sure. But yes, I I think so. Aside from the Packers and the Patriots on Sunday night, the Rams Saints game that will be a I think the NFC Championship preview. I, I agree with that. I do think that's the NFC Championship preview. I, I think I think the Rams are probably going to win the NFC Championship this year. That's my pick to go to the Super Bowl. They were not my pick at the beginning of the year, but they are now. Um, and and I'm allowed to change because who really cares? Uh, you know, the other game I'm looking at here, I'm just looking at the schedule. There's there's another one, and it's an old-school AFC West matchup, the Chargers at the Seahawks. And I know the Seahawks are are down right now. They're not as good uh, as they have been in the past. But I just – Well, they just they just curb-stomped the Lions. As you say, they, they just destroyed Detroit. Not that, not that that's anything to brag about. That's kind of like the, you know, the Broncos destroying uh, – Arizona, but I think the Chargers are are, you know, I make I make fun of Chargers season. The whole preseason, I made fun of Chargers season. This is Chargers season. I think Chargers season is actually happening, and they're going to make the playoffs. And I think they might even win a playoff game. And this old school uh, AFC West game will be just be fun to see. You know, the Chargers and the Seahawks, which is something we used to see twice a year. So kind of old school fun stuff. Um, and then. You got to watch and see what the Chiefs are going to do with the Browns. I'll be curious to see how many points are scored in that game because I think it could be a lot. It could be a lot of points. I mean, other than that, I'm not really seeing anything that jumps out. Steelers at Ravens, that's another one. That's a you know an AFC Central matchup or North, North. excuse me. I went back in time for a moment. It happens. I was reminiscing about it, the old AFC West, so I'm allowed to make that mistake. But that'll be a fun one. Those those are always uh, a good matchup. There's a team that I think is going to – it's going under the radar right now. And I think it has potential 
to be a team that can throw a wrench into everything, and that's the Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah. Looks like their defense is back to the way it was three years ago when they met the Broncos in the Super Bowl. And they have Christian McCaffrey. They have, uh, obviously, Cam Newton. That's a team that if it get, when it gets rolling, it, it, it's tough to beat. And I think with that defense, could compete with the likes of the Rams and the Saints. And it will be interesting uh, to see what happens the next time the Saints and the Panthers meet. I, I Maybe they don't again. I haven't looked at the Panthers or Saints schedules, so I'm not sure how many times they've played or when they've played. But I think since they're in the AFC, in the NFC South, I that will be at least one more game. I don't, I don't remember them playing each other uh, at this point. It, it will be interesting to see what the Carolina Panthers do. And obviously you can never rule out the green Bay Packers, especially in the NFC North, because I, I, I don't know if the Bears are going to be that reliable. I don't think the Vikings – I, I, I don't the think Vikings they're as good down. as people – I don't think the Vikings are as good as people think. Um, so it, the NFC North will be there for the Packers. And as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, and if not for Ty Montgomery deciding that he was going to run that kickoff out of the end zone even though he was told to take a knee – I mean, for the life of me, I do not understand how you take the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. And now he's not even playing for the Green Bay Packers. He was traded to the Baltimore Ravens for a seventh-round pick. Yep, he's he's gone. I'm surprised they got a seventh-round pick for him. Um, just to just to let you know, I did look up the schedule for the the uh, Panthers, um, and they play the Saints uh, twice. They have two more games okay. against the Saints. Uh, both of them in December. Uh, they play the Saints and the, the and the Panthers play on the seventeenth. It's uh, it looks like it's the Sunday night game, and then um, they take a week off from playing against each other, and then they and come they back close out the season, and then they close out the season, and they they play the Panthers at the Saints uh, on December thirtieth at noon. So uh, that will be an interesting an interesting little matchup there. It'll be interesting to see where the Panthers are at at that point. Because I think you're right. I think they have been sneaky good this year, and they could be they could be one of those teams that sort of surprises and becomes a spoiler for some of those teams in the playoffs if they can get into the playoffs and uh, make some waves. So you never know. And you're right. When that is a team that when they get momentum going, it's hard to stop that ball from rolling. And uh, you know we saw that uh, in 2015 when the Broncos were able to stop the ball from rolling, but that wasn't exactly a beatdown in the Super Bowl. It was a pretty methodical sort of well thought out game plan that that took them down in that game. I'm actually, I actually think the Saints are going to beat the Rams because the game is in New Orleans at yeah. the Superdome. I can see that. that and could I, be a and, high scoring game too. And I think because of that, I think that gives the Saints the advantage to get home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs, and Which, that's going to make that's going to make those games against Carolina even more important. Because I don't, I don't see the Rams losing that. The, the the most interesting game of this season, after this weekend with those with, with the Rams and the Saints, is the game in Mexico City between the Rams and the Chiefs. That 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 will be another one of those games. And if 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 the Saints are able to beat the Rams like I think they will on Sunday in New Orleans, that's going to make that game against the Chiefs even more important for the Rams because. The Saints won't lose many more games this year. No, they won't. No, they will not. And and it also means that the again the Panthers could play spoiler if the Panthers are able to uh, pull out one or even uh, both wins against the Saints down the stretch. You know the other game we didn't talk about, and I just want to talk about it because it's kind of funny. Raiders at 49ers on Thursday night. Don't you kind of horrible game? But don't you kind of want to watch that game to see how many fights there are in the stands? I mean, am I wrong? Is that that's maybe a little bit um, Neanderthal of me? But those fans, especially the 49ers fans, they are the worst. You want to talk about terrible fans when it comes to fighting? The Raiders fans are scary looking. 49ers fans will fight at the drop of a hat. They don't care who you are. They don't care what you've got going on. And 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 to me, 
that might be the most interesting thing to watch. They need to just have one camera that just sort of pans the crowd throughout the game. Well, the problem is it's played in Oakland, so no one's going to go anyway. No, no, it's it, it's uh, it's oh, at is the it 49ers at Levi Stadium. Yeah, it's at Levi Stadium, so there will be people there too. Not in San Francisco because they don't play in San Francisco, just like the Giants and the Jets don't play in New York. But still, you just get to call it that, and you get the market. Is that how it works? Sure, let's That's go with it. it. Let's go with that. All right. Uh, what else? What else do we have to get to right now? I just this has been. I'm I forgot we had a game. Sorry. As I said to end the last podcast, Houston, we have a problem. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.